So we're doing all of me. Today's message is called The Prosperous Soul. Would you say that with me? The Prosperous Soul. This is the third and final part of this series in all of me. A lot of times we come to church and, and we worship which we need to worship and praise God. But one of the other things that we need to do is we've got to learn how to live outside of here. So it's not just about coming in and getting a feel good. It's about coming in and saying, God, show me how I can be pleasing to you in every aspect of my life, all of me. So the last two weeks, we've talked about a couple of things. The first one, we, we've based this series on the scripture in 3 John 1 and 2 that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you pr may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God links our life, the whole man, to our soul, the spiritual man. And the first part of this series, we talked about relationship because God wants, that's the sole part of us, our relationship with God. But our relationship with each other is, is, is important. So much so that Jesus said that it's the second commandment. And he said, it's like the first. And the first was to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said, and the second's like it to love your neighbor as yourself. But how many of you understand that your relationship with each other it's directly connected to your relationship with God. Because if your relationship with God is out of sorts, then your relationship with each other will be out of sorts as well. Last week, we talked about the health part of this, that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And we talked about the healing aspect of it. But last week, there was so much to cover, and I, I couldn't do it all. So let me just give this to you to think about. When he says health, it's not just speaking about healing, because if we could learn to walk in health, we wouldn't need healing. Are you with me? If we could learn how to eat right, how many of you would agree with me? If we could learn how to eat right, it would do away with a lot of the healing that we need in our bodies. And you've, we've got to be very careful in the day and the hour that we live now because everything is so genetically modified that it is not, it, it's, it's, it's not how God made it. And so there's so much stuff that when you eat, so that's, that's why I encourage you shop the outside of the aisles in the grocery store. Try and eat those things that are alive. It's all right to eat a dead cow once in a while. Well, that's better than eating a live one, folks. It's all, but, but you need to get, you need to eat live food. You need to make sure you're getting vegetables and fruit and things like that. And I'm just telling you that, look, I'm, if I'm pointing a finger at you, there are five pointing back at me, four pointing back at me. And, and so what I'm saying is I've had to learn over the years to try and be mindful of what I'm eating. And that's why God gave me Debbie. Big Macs left my life when Debbie stepped into it. <laughs> so just, just be mindful of that and exercise that in, um, among your family so you can live a healthy life. And finally, today, we're talking about 
prosper. He said, I would that you prosper and be in health. Let me read for you Numbers 6 and 26. I'm going to use kind of as a foundation for this. It says, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. How many of you want God to lift his countenance up on you? In other words, take notice of you. He lifts his face up and looks towards you. The Lord lift his countenance up upon you and give you peace. <laughs> I know folks that are rich that would give all they had for peace. Elvis Presley made a statement one time and he said, I'd give a million dollars if I could just walk down the street like a normal person. Because you can't buy peace. But let's take a look at this word peace. The word peace here is the Hebrew word shalom. So in essence, God is saying that I, er, er, Moses is speaking over and saying, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. The word shalom means safety, welfare, prosperity, and peace. So we've been talking about all of me. I want you to see what God wants to give you. He wants to give you safety, salvation. He wants to give you welfare, health. He wants to give you prosperity, financial success. And he wants to give you peace, a oneness with him. And if you have those things in your life, you're going to live a blessed life. So God's concerned about the whole man, not just our salvation, not just our health, but also our finances. And I want you to hear what I'm going to say because I, I, I need you to get in perspective how God views finances because so many times we, we get way off one way or the other because we don't understand how God views things. Please understand that God is not poor. The Bible said, but, but sometimes we get a poor mentality. We use that scripture said, well, Jesus said the foxes have holes and the, ears of the, bear, or the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Do you understand? He was not speaking that about that he didn't have anything. He was speaking that. If you read that in the context of what he said, he was going into a town and they rejected him because his face was to Jerusalem, so they sent him out. Right after they sent him out, that man came to him and said, I want to follow you. And he said, well, I don't have any place to sleep tonight. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. In other words, they're not receiving me where I was going. And I'm just going to tell you, when you make up your mind to live for God, there are going to be some folks that don't receive you. But let me let, me let you in on a secret there were people that didn't receive you before you ever started living for God. So don't get bent out of shape because they don't receive you now, okay? So God's not poor and neither is let me, let me just lay out a foundation here so you get a better perspective of this. First of all, Mary and Joseph are going to pay taxes. Well, you can't pay taxes if you're not making money. So they're going to pay taxes, and they travel some 70 miles to get there, and she's expecting. Now, most commentators and, and scholars agree to the fact that she rode, uh, you know, Joseph didn't make her walk 70 miles to go pay taxes, that she rode on a donkey. How do you know that, Pastor? Have you never watched movies? <laughs> 
Now, it doesn't say specifically in Scripture that she rode on a donkey, but it just stands to reason that a pregnant woman at the coming into full term of her pregnancy is not going to be walking 70 miles. So she's riding a donkey or a horse or some type of an animal, and you had to have wealth to do that. The other thing is that when Joseph and Mary hit Bethlehem, the reason they're in a manger isn't because he doesn't have money for a hotel. It's because there's no room in the inn. So he has the finances for it. The next thing I want you to see is God makes provision. So when he has to make a trip to Egypt, he's got to flee and, and, and go several hundred miles away, God provides a dowry. So wise men come, and what do they bring him? Walmart gift coupons. No, they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all of which possessed great worth. It was of great value. Jesus, when he is in ministry, he has a treasurer. There, he's got, at one time, he's responsible for 82 people on his staff. And so he, he, he understands about money. Folks always get this mentality, well, you know, Jesus didn't have anything. He looked at his disciples, there's 5,000 people, and he said, where can we go buy something that they can eat? Andrew spoke up and said 200 denarii isn't enough that they would all have a little. Why does he say 200 denarii? The only logical explanation for that is that's how much they had in the treasury. 200 denarii is 200 days worth of wages. Figure out how much you make a day, multiply it by 200, and that's what they had in the coffer. Another spot Judas, there's a woman that breaks open an alabaster box of oil that's worth a year's wages. And Judas kicks up a fuss about it. And Jesus said, well, leave her alone. He said, you're always going to have poor with you. Let her do this. So he's not, he's not upset that she just broke open a, a, an oil, a vial of oil that was a year's worth of wages and is anointing him. Judas didn't say it because he cared about the poor. He said, how come this wasn't sold and given to the poor? He doesn't care because he cares about the poor. He cares because he carries the money. I want you to notice what Judas didn't say. Judas didn't say, how come we didn't sell this so we could eat? He didn't say, how come we didn't sell this so we could pay all those past due bills? He didn't say, how come we didn't sell this so we'd, we'd have money to be able to do ministry with? Jesus is not poor. There's something you need to, as a matter of fact, let me just prove it. His final, the, the, at the crucifixion, the officers, the, the soldiers do not rip his garments up. They looked at his garments and they said, hey, man, let's don't tear this, man. Let's, let's gamble for this. Let's shoot some dice and find out who's going to get to take this home with them. Now, I'm telling you, if it had been rags, they wouldn't have cared. But that garment, it was like a woman going after a Gucci purse. It was, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? It had, it had to be nice enough that it caused Roman soldiers to want to take it home with them. And this is at the end of his ministry. 
So the idea, I want you to get out of this poverty mentality that God doesn't want you to have anything. This is what I want you to understand. Jesus had riches, but riches did not have him. So God isn't opposed to you having riches he just doesn't want riches to have you. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I can have some stuff. God's concerned about the whole person, but he wants the whole person to give your whole self to him. Let me read to you Deuteronomy 6 and 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say heart. With all your soul. Say soul. And with all your strength. Now, the word strength there in Hebrew is a unique word. As a matter of fact, if you look at it in the complete Jewish Bible, this is how that, that is translated. And you are to love Adonai, your God, with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your resources. Everybody say, my resources. The message says it this way, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Everybody say, all of me. He wants all of me, including my resources. Have you ever seen someone that they, so if you, nobody likes to talk about money because it makes people nervous. Oh, goodness. And, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. My father-in-law didn't teach a lot about money. And it's because of everything, of, of how he was raised up and the things that he heard in churches. How many of you remember being in church service where somebody would say, who will give $100? Who give? And I'm thinking, are you serious? That, that's not, the church isn't a place to be having an auction. Who give a hundred? Who give a hundred? They're sold over there. And so because of the way he was approached with money, he was never really able to talk about it and understand it. But when I got an understanding of what God's principle is, God's not a respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. And there is a principle that he wants us to live by. He said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So he wants us to get this. He wants all of us. God's not looking for a makeover. He's looking for a takeover. God, God, you know, if you put, lip, don't anybody get offended over what I'm going to say. If you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. What are you talking about? We need a makeover. Need a, and, I, and, and the ladies did makeovers, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when all of a sudden Jesus said it this way, you make the outside of the sepulcher white, but the inside is full of dead men's bones. He, he's not looking for a makeover. He wants a takeover. Don't make him your co-pilot. Let him be your captain. Don't, don't try and put God on the perimeter of your life. Put him in the center of your life and give him the control so he can give you direction on what you ought to do. Well, it got quiet. God wants our focus on him, not on riches. 
The devil takes Jesus up to a high place. And what's he doing? He's trying to mess with Jesus' focus. He's trying to get Jesus off focus because he's getting ready to start ministry. He's out in the wilderness and he's fasting. And then all of a sudden, the devil comes to him. You know, he's already done the deal with the bread and the rocks and all that stuff. So he takes him up to a high place. And the scripture said that in a moment of time, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Everybody say, he showed him his stuff. <laughs> and he said, I'll give you all this. All this can be yours if you'll just fall down and worship me. And Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. For it's written that you'll worship the Lord thy God and him only will you serve. So what's he doing? He's, Jesus understands that keeping your focus on God, that it, when, when you keep your focus on God, the blessing of God will follow you. And God's blessing is worth more than anything the devil's got to offer you. To be able to walk in the blessing of God. Everybody say the blessing of God. He knew how valuable that is. God is not opposed to riches. Look at number, or Proverbs 10 and 22. He said, the Lord of, he said the blessing of the Lord, everybody say the blessing of the Lord, makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Now, there are a lot of folks that want to get rich, but they chase after it. Here, the scripture is saying, chase after God, and you'll find out you've got more riches than you ever knew what to do with. Don't, don't worry about money. Don't focus on money, because the love of money is the root of all evil. But if you love God and you focus on him, he's got stuff he can get you. He said that, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. How many of you have seen some folks that chase after riches and they get pretty sorrowful? Remember I shared with you the story about the, the friend of mine whose brother-in-law won a million dollars in the lottery, lost it all, and when they went in the house that they came and foreclosed on, they found a pile of lottery tickets in the closet where he was trying to hit it rich again. Look, that's not, that's, that, that's not God's way. God doesn't want you focused on the things of the world. He wants you focused on him. Everybody say focus on him. He said, Jesus tells us, he said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All, and you'll have nothing. No, he said, in all these things shall be added to you. In Deuteronomy 8 and 18, it says, and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Let me say it to you this way. God doesn't have any problem getting money to us, but can he get it through us? <laughs> Don't shout when I'm preaching it. <laughs> it's not about him having problem getting money to us. It's can he get it through us? Can we become a conduit and not a cesspool? Can we become an open channel that God can flow through? So that becomes the question we have to ask ourselves. Look at what Proverbs 11 and 24 says. Watch the principles here. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. 
A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 19 and 17, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. <laughs> Look, man, everybody's concerned about where they ought to invest their money, you know, but what, what stock's going to do good? What real estate deal can I get involved in? What, what, what can I do that's going to give me a quick turnover? The best thing you can do is give it to God. It said, he that lends to the, or he that giveth to the poor, not lendeth to the poor. He that giveth to the poor lendeth to God, and God will. <laughs> How does God repay? Well, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> so the question is, will we be a good steward with what God gives us? How many of you, are, you know, uh, a couple years ago, whatever, Kathy and Eddie, Kathy and Eddie, Kathy and Debbie were on Julian Friends and they went out to shoot guns, which by the way, I didn't think was a wise thing to do. And when they, they, they put a gun, and now, now Kathy, I think, is, is a pretty proficient shooter. Debbie doesn't handle a gun a lot. You know, she doesn't go hunting with me. She doesn't. They stuck that gun in her hand and Katie barred the door. Because it was, it was, she didn't, you know, know it had a hair trigger. <laughs> and I'm thinking, look, you, you, before you put a loaded gun in someone's hand, you better make sure they know how to use it. <laughs> a steward, a steward with what we've got. God wants to make sure we know how to use it. So the rich young ruler goes to Jesus, falls down and worships, man, at his feet. Then gets up and looks at him and said, good master, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at me and said, well, you know the commandments, honor your mother and father, you know. And, and he, he, he cites about six commandments there. And the young man said, well, I, I've done all this from my youth. And the Bible said, and Jesus beholding the young man loved him. God's not trying to keep something from us. He's trying to get something to us. It said that he loved him and he said, go sell what you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. And you'll have riches in heaven. He, he says, you just come and follow. I want you to check this out because people get this wrong. He didn't tell the young man to give everything he had to the poor. He said, liquidate your assets. Give to the poor. Give to the poor. Give some. He didn't say give everything to the poor. If you give everything to the poor, guess what? You're poor. <laughs> what are we going to eat, Dad? I don't know. I just gave everything away. <laughs> he said, give to the poor and come and follow me. But the man went away sorrowful. Why? Because he was more attached to his stuff than he was to Jesus. When you get more attached to your stuff 
than you are to Christ, you've got a problem. Jesus knew the young man had a problem. He addressed the problem, but the young man wasn't really willing to correct it. Everybody say, are you a good steward? Now, I want to contrast this because we think about the rich young ruler. I want to contrast this with a sinner. Everybody say, Zacchaeus. So the rich young ruler's been going to church all of his life, you know. And when he finds out he's supposed to, you know, sell what he's got, give to the poor man, he's, he goes away sorrowful with his mouth down, you know, dragging, singing the blues. There's a, there's a publican, everybody say a tax collector, an IRS agent. If you're watching that, we love you. Uh, and an IRS agent. And all of a sudden, he, he, he goes to, he climbs up in a tree to see Jesus. And the guy's name's Zacchaeus. And, and Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' home. And when he gets to Zacchaeus' home, watch this. Jesus hasn't said a word about what Zacchaeus ought to do. The presence of Christ had such an impact on that sinner. He looked at Jesus and he said, I'm going to give half my stuff to the poor, and I'm going to anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them back four times more than I ever took from them. You didn't get that. See, if... If you'd get that, you'd be shouting right now. What are you talking about? The impact of the presence of God. When Christ becomes real to us, nobody's got to pump us or prime us or coax us. It's just a response from the heart. I'll give now, now let me, when he said that, what did Jesus say? Oh, only half your stuff, huh? No. Jesus said, today has salvation come to this house. The idea that God wants us not to have anything is, I, I believe, is demonic. I, I think that's just a lie out of the pit of hell. Because you can't have an impact on the world if you don't have finances to do it with. How you can't provide for your own family if you don't have finances to do it. And the scripture said, he that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. What's he saying? Than an unbeliever. He wants us to have it. He just wants to know that he can get it through us and not just to us. A good steward. So the, this whole question becomes about stewardship. Money enables you to be the type of person you really want to be, for better or worse. I want you to think about it. Money enables you to be the type of person you really want to be for better or worse. So let's say all of a sudden you get blessed with, man, just, uh, oh, this is such a blessing. And you see somebody that's got a need. Oh, I'll pray for you. He said, if you've got bread and you're just saying be fed, he said, that's not how this works. So it, it enables you to be the type of person you really want to be because when he gives you the means to do it, he wants to find out what you're going to do with it. That's why I believe that tithing is a test. I didn't say a temptation because God doesn't tempt any man. But tithing is a test. What is tithing? Matter of fact, let me, let me look at that. Let me, let me give this to you. This isn't me talking. This is scripture, okay? And I am not taking up an offering after this message, so just chill out. Malachi 3 and 8. 
Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, in what way have you robbed me? He said, in tithes and offering. I want you to get this. I, I, the, the next verse said, you're cursed with a curse. Now think about this, because look, if you don't pay tithe, that doesn't mean you're not saved and you're not going to go to heaven. It just means you're not going to be blessed. It says you're cursed with a curse. Watch this. In Genesis, the first time this happens is when they take something, Adam and Eve take something that was wholly dedicated to God, and they take it for themselves. And he said, the earth is cursed for your sake. Here, tithing, which is set apart for God, and we take it to ourselves. Malachi says, you're cursed with a curse. It's the same thing that's happening because God isn't a respecter of person. He's a respecter of principle. He wants to know, can he trust you? Look at your neighbor and say, trustworthy. <laughs> I know it made you uncomfortable to do that. That's all right. Let me tell you what tithe is. Tithe is always 10%. Anything above tithe is an offering. But tithe shows our consistency and our faithfulness, and it shows that we're putting God first. Our offering shows our generosity and our thankfulness. Are you with me? The 10%, the tithe, belongs to God. It's holy. It's set apart for him. Somebody said, well, the New Testament doesn't teach that. I beg your pardon. Jesus went to the Pharisees, and he said, you pay tithe. Of, can I put it in plain English? He said, you pay tithe on your herb garden. He said, which you ought to do, but then you let more important things like mercy and grace just slip through your hands. He said, so these things you ought to do, show mercy, but don't leave the other undone, the tithe. So obviously it's taught in the New Testament. And what it does, and you've, you've heard me teach this about it, it's, it's God's way of seeing if we'll put him first. If we'll be faithful with it, if we'll be consistent with it. Then our offering, which is anything above the 10%, above our tithe, is an expression of generosity and thankfulness. It's like when I went to Trinidad all those years, they would have what they called a Thanksgiving. And I thought, man, a Thanksgiving, we have one in America and we eat turkeys. The turkey's not too thankful, folks. But in, in Trinidad, they have a Thanksgiving to celebrate when they've been blessed. And what do they do? They invite all their neighbors over. They invite their family over. They put out a big feast. They, 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 they celebrate. They put out quite a bit of money to have this celebration. Why? Because and it's a, it is an expression of their thankfulness. So our offerings are an expression of our generosity and our thankfulness. Everybody say, he's almost done. Now, this is what I want you to do. If, I want you to hear me. If God can't trust you with the tithe, why would he ever give you more? I'm talking about it's his will that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul, that, that's a measurement. of You know, nothing's connected to us like our money is. Some people set on it. Wallet goes where? And we sit on it. We ain't spending a dime of it. Others have it here in a wallet that goes next to their heart. 
Others got so much of it, they pack it around in a purse. <laughs> you, know, you guys know the women carry it all anyway, so okay. <laughs> What I'm saying is this, is God's just looking for an expression. Will you show that you're putting him first? Now, watch what he does here, because to me, this is, if I, I, you know, the only thing about preaching, preaching this as a pastor is people think, oh, he's just trying to get more of an offering. I used to come in and do this stuff as an, when I was an evangelist, and pastors would thank me for it, because a lot of times they couldn't speak from, the, well, they did speak from it, but it was always like, well, they're just trying to get more money for the church. Can I tell you, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you, and I'm going to show you that in just a second. In Malachi 3.10, now watch this. Throw this up. I want to make sure that they see this. Malachi 3.10, but this is the only place in Scripture that I know of that God says, try me. God's putting a challenge out to him. Watch what it is. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now. God's saying, prove me now. Do we not have that scripture? And prove me now that if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Now, I'm going to read this. We don't have it up there, so let me read it to you. I'm going to read you read it to you the way that it shows up in the King James Scripture. But I want you to understand, I hope you got your Bibles with you. When you read in the King James, if you ever see a word that is italicized, that means that the word wasn't in the original text. They added it to try and make the passage flow more smoothly. So interpreters are looking at it and making a determination if these words ought to be there. Let me read it to you the way that it's written in the King James with the italic. It says, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That includes the italic. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever been so blessed that you didn't have any more room in your bank account? Anybody? Have you ever been so blessed that that somebody came up to you and offered you another $10,000 and you said, oh, I don't need that. You ever been so blessed that at the, end of the pay at the end of the pay period at your work, you turned your check back in? What I'm saying is, I think the interpreters messed up by adding those words. Let me read it to you without those words added. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that not enough. Now, you, what's he saying? He said, I'm going to bless you, but that's not enough. And the next verse is going to show you why. How many of you have ever gotten a big blessing, and then all of a sudden your refrigerator went out? How many of you have got a big blessing and then all of a sudden your, your, your car plays out? You know, you get a big blessing and then you, you're, you're getting a little bit ahead and then something comes up out of nowhere and, and you're right back to where you started from. So he says, I'm going to pour you out a blessing and that not enough. Now look at the next verse. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. What's he saying? Not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to make your tires go farther than they normally would. I'm going to make 
your car last longer normally than it would. I'm going to rebuke the devourer. I'm going to keep him out of your stuff. He's saying, try me and find, honest to goodness, man, I bought a a, um, Grand Am, thank you. I bought a Grand Am and and it had tires on it that were rated at 40,000 miles. You know, and when you get tires that are rated 40,000 miles, usually at 38, you're replacing them. God is my witness. I put over 100,000 miles on those tires. And you say, oh, you must have been running slicks. No, I wasn't. I, when I got ready to trade those tires in, I asked the guy, I said, what kind of tires are these? And he said, they're Goodyear. They're rated at 40,000 miles. I said, what? <laughs> I, he rebuked the devourer for me. You, I, everybody in this place knows I've got a Chrysler 300 that's got 306,000 miles on it. <laughs> I know you're not excited about it, but I get excited every time I sit into the seat. And I say, thank you, Lord. I just got a new one, and I prayed, God, bless this one the way you bless the other one. And I didn't get rid of the old one. I went in to trade it in. They they said, well, we'll give you $500. I started laughing. I thought, man, the blessing of God's worth more to me than that. (laughs) It's worth $500 to me just to go out there and pet it every once in a while and say, thank you, Jesus. Just to have a reminder that he rebuked the devourer for me. Do you understand what God's trying to do for us? Now watch this. Our payday becomes our praise day when we honor God with our finances. I've said now this will be the third time God's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. Look at Philippians. This is with Paul. In the fourth chapter of Philippians, listen to what he says. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica, yet once and again, you sent to my necessity, not because I desire a gift. Let me say it this way. Paul's saying, I'm not trying to get something from you. It's not because I desire a gift, he said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. How many of you got a bank account? Wave your hand if you got a bank account. Or if you've ever opened a bank account at any time in your life. You know the unique thing about bank accounts? I mean, I opened up a savings account, and, you know, after I opened it up, I went to the teller, and I said, I'd like to make a withdrawal of $50,000. I really didn't do that. But if I had, she'd said, there's only one problem with that. You hadn't put anything in yet. (laughs) That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I'm not trying to get a gift from you. I'm trying to get fruit in your account because you can't make a withdrawal until you put something in. He that lendeth to the poor, or he that giveth, God, he that giveth to the poor lendeth to God, and God will. God, God will. Everybody go, repay. Now, you're always trying to find out what kind of interest you can get on your money, honey. Let me tell you something. 
When you give to God and God gets ready to repay you, come on, help me out here. I, I, I want to show you how God repays. Is that all right? Real quick, real quick. Go, run, fast. Woo! The flash. I, I, I need you, watch, watch this. This is, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm getting ready to wrap up. Put it right out here. Now, in Luke 6 and 38, let me read the scripture to you. I've, I've used this illustration before, but there's a lot of folks that weren't here back those years. So I want, I want you to get this. It says, give, this is Jesus speaking. Everybody say Jesus. It says, give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men put into your, or it says, will put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be, 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 it will be measured back to you. Let me put it in plain English for you. He said, you give, and I'm going to give it back to you. And I'm going to give back to you with the same type of generosity that you gave it. Now, he's doing this. Jesus always taught with parables. So he's, there's a word picture that these people are seeing in their mind when Jesus is talking about this. He said, give, it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall men do what? Pour into your bosom. So what would happen? Run up here. What would happen is you would go to the market. And when you would go to the market, you would bring your basket with you. Everybody say, my basket. Come on, stand up. Stand up here. And, and they, would, they would, and honestly, what they did a lot of times is they would use their robe. So it was pouring into their bosom. But some had a basket, and he'd say, I want $10 or $5 worth of corn. So they would go in. Here, hold that. They would go in. And then the guy would measure out to them $5 worth of corn. Okay. So then they go, okay, that's $5 worth of corn. Well, okay, I'm going to give you $5 worth of corn. So I'm, I'm, when I was telling you it's $5, you know, I was talking about an even basket. Now there, that's, that's like, that's, that's about five, that's about five dollars worth right there. So you walk away from there and you feel like you just got ripped off. But then there were, there were other places that you would go, come here, there were other places that you'd go and they'd say, okay, I'm going to give you five dollars, one basket, five dollars worth. Now he's already, he knows how this goes. And the guy says, there you go. Well, he's waiting for the raking. But this guy doesn't rake him over. So guess where he's going to do his shopping from now on? At the guy that doesn't rake him over. And he's looking and he's saying, man, this guy gave me pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
I'm going to visit him. Now, here's what the scripture said. The scripture said, he that giveth to the poor. He that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord. Y'all better get this or you ain't getting out of here. <laughs> he that giveth to the poor lendeth to God and what? And God will repay. And how does Jesus say God repays? He said, it's going to be pressed down, shaking together, running over. I'm going to pour. Open it up. I'm going to, I am going to pour into your bosom. What? Oh, wait. He said, so that there's not room enough. <laughs> hang on, hang on. He said, I'm going to give back. He said, I'm going to give you the same way you give. Come here. <laughs> so if, how, how, whatever a man sows is what he reaps. If you're stingy, you're going to wrestle your whole life. But if you give to God, he said, I'm going to give back to you, pressed down, shaking together, running over. What did he say? He said, <laughs> you cast your bread on the water, and after a while, that dough ball will come back. He said, that bread will return to you after many days. How you feel? You feel good? You feel blessed? <laughs> you know, when you've been blessed by God, it'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. <laughs> it'll cause you to get happy when nobody else is. The Bible said, that Isaac planted in a time of famine and got back a hundredfold. I'm talking about the prosperous soul. Thank you. Would you stand with me? Y'all help him out, would you? <laughs> He's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. Your tithe is your test. He said, if I can't trust you with a little, how can I make you ruler over much? If, if you can't be faithful and consistent and put me first in giving, then you're really not putting me first anywhere in your life. The prosperous soul. When I got a hold of this for me as an individual, it changed my whole life. It changed my outlook on everything. 
I watched God do things that just took me by surprise. He gives back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over will men pour into your bosom. This is what I want you to do today. At the close of this message, you're here and you say, Pastor, I want God to have all of me. I want him to have, I want him to be in control of my spiritual walk. And I want him to be in control of my natural walk. I want to honor God with what I say. And I want to honor God with what I do. If that's your desire, I want you to come to the front right now. Very quickly, very quickly. People, that, that's the whole thing that always, you know, perplexes my mind. It's like if you start talking about money, people get, oh, 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 my goodness, he's talking about money. Oh, I'm thinking you wouldn't do that if I walked up to you with $1,000 and said, here, I'd like to give this to you. You wouldn't look at me and go, oh, Pastor, no, no, get away from me. But you understand God's trying to get something to us. And it's in the principle of giving that God's able to test and see if we're ready. How many of you ever took a driver's test? How many of you ever took your driver's test at five years old? No, not ready. Not ready. Couldn't even reach the pedals. Not ready yet. But as you matured, you got ready. And when you first got your driver's license, how many of you wanted to find out how fast that car would go? Not everybody, but I was taking, I was taking some boys from high school. They, they were, I was taking them home. They were riding with me. We were out on the Tunnel Hill blacktop. I never realized I was driving fast. I did notice that the tires were squalling as I was going around corners. And all of a sudden, one of those young men looked up at me and he said, Rick, we ain't in any hurry to get home. And I realized I need to slow down here because sometimes we're just so used to doing something a certain way, we don't think about the consequences of it. If one of those tires ever blew out on me, I'm gone. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. We can't even wrap our mind around that. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. It says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights. He wants to bless you. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, He he wants to bless you. Matter of fact, say it like this with me. He's dying to bless you. Oh, okay. Now say it like this. He died to bless you. Do you understand? It costs something, but he paid it. So I want you to stretch your hands to heaven. And at the close of this series, I want you to pray from your heart, all of me, God, all of me. I want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be the captain and not the co-pilot. I want you involved 
in my health decisions. I want you involved in my spiritual walk, and I want you involved in my finances. God, bless me to be a blessing. Father, we come to you right now, God, and we thank you that you're acting on it today, that you're changing the way we think, you're changing the way we perceive you, God, you're giving me the strength to be a blessing to others. The strength, the shalom, the safety, my welfare, my prosperity is all tied up in you. In Jesus' name, I give you praise and I choose today to walk out of here different than I walked in. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. You say, well, pastor, what are you getting? I'm gonna let you go in just a second, but I want, I, I want to challenge you just like he did. He said, you try me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. So this is what we're gonna do. For the next, for, for this next month coming up, I want you to try God. You say, but I don't have, look, I've been down here. I've had this conversation. God, I don't have, I don't have enough money to give. I don't have any money to give. You, you've always got money to give because he gets the first part of it. So it's about exercising the principle. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm asking you for the next month to exercise what he said. He said, you try me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out to you and that not enough. I'm gonna rebuke the devourer for your sake. You, you, if you haven't been giving tithe, give tithe. Mark on your check, Malachi. And at the end of a month, if God hasn't shown himself real to you, we'll write you a check and give you all your money back. What are you doing? I'm just trying to get you to understand that God means what he says. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't something trying to pull something over on someone. This is, I want to see your life blessed so that when you see someone in need, you don't have to say, oh, oh, hey, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. That you can sit down and write out a check and say, here, God, God laid it on my heart to give this to you. Everybody say the proof is in the pudding. Talk's cheap, but your actions always speak volumes to God. I had a guy, I'm going to end with this. I had a guy come to me one time and he looked at me and said, Pastor, he said, I want to do, I want to do a street service. He said, but I need a piano player. I need a drummer. I need a guitar player. I looked at him, I said, man, you can spend your lifetime waiting for that stuff. I said, if you want to do a street service, grab a bullhorn, get on the side of the street, and start preaching. Worked for me. <laughs> well, didn't people think you were nuts? Probably. <laughs> but they thought I was nuts before I started living for God. <laughs> don't let the devil intimidate you, and don't let him wave his stuff under your nose trying to get you to give up on the best thing that ever happened to you. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you today. 
put your hand on somebody right now and say it with me. He's blessed me to be a blessing. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you. May he smile on you and keep you. May he cause you to know you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath in Jesus' name.